0: good morning to you good morning. Good, morning. good morning now did you notice that chris said luke's preach mm. yeah. so for chris's benefit my name's lawrence and uh yeah there we go um hey it's good to be with you and to uh, have an opportunity to share in this way i haven't been here uh, at, behind this lectern in a while um it's my own fault because i keep turning it down um But I'm here and I'm really thrilled, actually, because we're in the middle of a really exciting series, aren't we? Kingdom Come. And uh, it's all about the kingdom of God. And that phrase, Kingdom Come, that's our prayer, isn't it? That across the world, across our community, across our families, our homes and our church, we simply pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Now, um, a couple of weeks ago, Chris introduced this series to us and he pointed out that jesus made a declaration in mark chapter 1 verse 15 that the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe the good news the kingdom of god is good news do you believe that this morning yeah the kingdom of god is good news uh, but D- jesus didn't just say the kingdom have come near come near he said so repent and believe when the kingdom of god comes near we have to take action we have To make a response, we have to do something with it. So as the kingdom of God comes near, so we respond. And then last week, Graham reminded us uh, that it's our responsibility to seek after the kingdom. In Matthew 6, uh, verse 33, seek first the kingdom, then. Seek first, then. When it comes to the kingdom of God, it's our responsibility to make it our priority. And this week we're thinking about how we understand the kingdom. And it's a good day because we've got an offer on parables for you today. It's a three-for-one deal. Um, We're going to look at one uh, big parable together and then we're going to throw in two mini parables for good measure. But before we dive in, I want to play a game. Is anybody up for a game this morning? I mean, Luke's already played a game, but I want to play a different game. Any any fans of Countdown or Anagrams? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well I've, made, uh, well, I've put it into the, the internet and scrambled up some names from our staff team, our leadership team. And I wonder if you can unscramble these for me. We've got the uncandid goner. Sounds a bit definitive, doesn't it? <laughs> Who might that be? Did you work it out? No? No? We heard it over there. Ruth, was it you? You shouted out Duncan, there he is. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, Chicory broads. sounds like a burger or um, a cowboy. Who might that be? Shout it out. Chris Brockway, brilliant. There he is. And then uh, the next one, Any Swanherd. I feel like this might be a ballet move. Any Swanherd, who, who might that be? Say it loud for me. Andy Renshaw, yeah, there he is. Do you know what, I've got about 40 of these. I'm, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. This one, rice in whole grain. Now the second part's quite healthy, the first part's not good for you. Rice in whole grain there. Who might that be? Lorraine, the yes, there we go. And then the last one's my favorite one. Ick, jogger cream. I think it's how you say it. Who might that be? Jackie McGregor, Yeah. you got it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Give yourselves a round of applause. Good effort. What, what's the point of all this? Well, we're looking at Matthew 13 today, and uh, there's a verse hidden in there in verse 16. And, you know, if you look at the uh, program for today, we're not even really meant to be looking at this verse. Um, but it's really important when it comes to helping us to understand the kingdom. And it's this in verse 16. Jesus says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Sometimes when I look at an anagram, or maybe when you look at an anagram, we can't really work out what it is that we're looking at. It's just a jumble of letters. And then all of a sudden you'll see something and it will trigger and you'll go, ah, it now makes sense. It all comes into focus. The word is there, but it's hidden in the jumbled letters. And I think it can be a little bit like that when it comes to the kingdom of God, that we can look at something perhaps very quickly and take it at face value. But if we just look long enough, we might see or discern what God is really doing or saying to us. When it comes to the kingdom, Jesus says, Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So we're going to look at scripture this morning with blessed eyes and blessed ears. So, uh, let's, uh, so uh, let me tell you about the passage first before we read it together. We're looking at chapter 13 which comes in a little block of stories from chapter 11, where people are responding to Jesus and his message about the kingdom. And Jesus is getting a mixture of responses. Some people are responding positively to him and receiving what he has to say. Others are neutral and not that fussed about it. And then there are those who are hostile or reject Jesus, a bit like the Pharisees do. So when we get to this parable in chapter 13, it's almost as if Jesus is telling a commentary on his experience to that point about how people are responding to him and his message, his announcement of the kingdom. Some are accepting him and some are not. So let's turn to chapter 13 together and we'll just look at the first two verses to begin with. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood On the shore. Now it's really important to capture this minute the setting of what's going on. It's literally gone from naught to a hundred in no time at all. It's a dramatic picture of contrast, of escalation. Jesus has sat by the lake. Sitting was the posture of a teacher. As someone sat, others would know that this is an invitation to come and learn something, and suddenly numbers are drawn to him. First of all, small numbers then slightly larger numbers, groups and a crowd. And then all of a sudden, before he knows it, it's a large crowd to the point that he has to get up and move into a boat in order to be heard. And he sits there and he teaches from there. Now, this is a dramatic picture. And it's almost as if things have just got serious. The stakes have got higher. So we need to sit up and pay attention. What is it that the teacher wants to say? So let's read on. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So, confession time. I like a nice garden at home. And then king gardeners out there? King gardeners, don't be embarrassed, it's fine. You can be louder and more rowdy than that. So um, I, I like a nice garden at home, but I don't like the work that it involves Um, we have a couple of small lawns around our little house and a few years ago in 2020 when we were all spending a lot more time indoors I decided I was going to fill my time uh, with looking after the lawn and I watched a lot of YouTube clips about looking after lawns and I learnt a lot did you know you have to scarify a lawn you have to like oh it's just me who doesn't know these things (laughs) you have to like pull up all the dead matter and clear it out and then you have to aerate a lawn did you know that yeah, you have to drill holes in it so that water and air can get down into the root system. And then I learned I had to oversee the lawn. I'm not going to ask you because you clearly know how to look after a lawn. You had to overseed the lawn. And uh, as the shoots would grow, it would thicken up the lawn and it would look great. But as I did that, I had to learn when to water it and when to feed it. And I had to uh, kind of learn a lot about looking after the lawn. Now, I must say... It was very impressive that year. The lawn looked fantastic. But if, um, if you uh, took a little drive past my house right now, you would see that the lawn does not look fantastic anymore um, because I've got other things to do. It, it's full of weeds and it's full of moss and it doesn't look quite as good as it used to. Um, Now, I know there's a lot of work that I need to do to get it ready again. And I will return to my YouTube videos at some point to work out. And actually, between uh, services, I looked on uh, Facebook and up came a video of how to look after your lawn. So it's already in my algorithms. It's happening to me. Um, But I will remind myself of the process, the goal of achieving a nice garden. Now, that's me now needing YouTube to help me. But back there and then, the people listening to this parable would have had an intimate knowledge of the land. I needed YouTube. These guys don't. They lived much closer to their food sources, either directly growing food themselves or working in farming. And the brilliance of this story that Jesus told is that it comes from the everyday experience of his listeners. They would have been well aware of farming techniques, because they would have worked on their own fields or worked in the fields of their landlords. So just imagine that for a minute. Whatever your daily work is or your hobbies, imagine if it was used as a metaphor for a deep spiritual reality. What You would probably have a, a greater depth of understanding of the truth that is being contained within that metaphor, wouldn't you? Because when I look at a story like this on my first reading, I'm tempted to go, yeah, seed was sown, some fell over there, some fell over there, and some of it grew, and think I've got a grasp on it. But for the listeners, this is a much more vital and vibrant story. It's a a simple metaphor, but it's deep. It's connected on an ontological level. This is about their very being, their souls, and they know it. Now, we could say a lot about the farmers sowing the seed as a commentary on Jesus proclaiming the kingdom. And of course it is. But the emphasis in this parable, or the main commentary, is actually on the soil. There is a contrast being shown between good soil and not so good soil and how it responds to the seed. So in verse 4, uh, some seed falls on the path and the birds eat it. Verse 5 some falls in rocky, unfavourable places where the seed germinates quickly, but it fails to establish roots and it doesn't thrive in the harsher conditions. Verse 7, some the seed would fall among the thorns and the weeds and it would be in competition for the nutrients and it would be starved or choked out of what it needs. And then in verse 8, we learn that some seed falls on good soil. The seed germinates, matures and yields an abundant crop for harvest. And this last point about the 100 times, 60 times or 30 times yield of seed would have surprised the listeners as they would have been used to a harvest of five times or 10 times that which was uh, sown. So can you see what Jesus has done here? He's tipped his hat, he's played his cards until this point. He's not told them anything that they don't already know to be true. They know that when you scatter seed, some of it's going to fall on the path around the ploughed fields because that's how you scatter seed, you broadcast it. And they know that birds are going to come and eat that seed. They know that if you sow seed in an unploughed field, it's um, it's not going to establish itself. They know that if you don't prepare the ground and remove the thorns and the weeds or the competing plants, seedlings won't survive because there's bigger, more established plants being the dominant draw on the resources. And they know that when you plant seed in a good soil, you're going to get a harvest. But what they don't know, what they don't expect, is a harvest of 160 or even 30 times that which was sown. So Jesus has related to them, has drawn them in, and now he's showing them something very different to what they already know. And he even goes to great lengths to highlight this and underline it when he says, he who has ears, let him hear. He wants them to look again and see something different. So let's pick this story up at verse 18 and uh, see what Jesus has to say. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times that was sown. It feels like a hard spiritual truth, doesn't it? but it does describe the reality of how people respond to the kingdom. Jesus uses this metaphor or where he describes types of people, four types of people or four types of responses came to the kingdom. Now remember, the seed is good. The kingdom is good. We've already said that this morning, haven't we? The kingdom of God is good news. The <coughs> seed is good. That doesn't change. But the soil and how it is received is the focus of Jesus' teaching. And he suggests that there are we could shorthand it. Hard hearts, shallow hearts, thorny hearts, and receptive hearts. In verse 19, Jesus is addressing those who have, that he's encountered perhaps already, or indeed maybe even in the crowd, that have hardened their hearts to the message of the kingdom. And we know this as a reality, don't we, for ourselves, that there are those that we will share with, we will share the good news of the kingdom with, but that it might just not seem to land or they might not be open to it. Their hearts are hard to the gospel. And very sadly, Jesus says that these people are vulnerable to the enemy. In verse 20, Jesus describes someone who, whose heart is open enough and receptive enough that the seed of the kingdom can sprout, but the soil is shallow and the seed cannot form deep roots. The life is in the seed, but not into the soil. If we want life in the soil, the The seed has to be able to take deep, deep roots. And there's a temptation, I believe, uh, for us to undersell the gospel message. We sometimes like to sell it as life is better with Jesus, which of course it is. But it is much more profound than that. The gospel message is one of deep, deep transformation by the Spirit of God into the likeness of Christ. And just as you can't have deep roots in shallow soil, you cannot have deep transformation in a shallow heart. In verse 22, Jesus speaks of soil that is crowded with thorns, and it's an image of a heart that receives the gospel, but is just torn in different directions. It's in competition with the world. Remember, we said it last week, seek first the kingdom. Seek first. There's potential for growth in the seed but the seedling is choked out by the competition around it. And in particular, Jesus points out that wealth can be a deceptive pleasure. And he also points out that worries and concerns and anxieties about life can also uh, create competition. This seed will struggle to bear fruit as it is overwhelmed by the world. Jesus also talks about a receptive heart in verse 23. uh, representing a person who not only hears the gospel message and understands it, but someone who allows it to take full root so that it can produce fruit, a flourishing disciple, if you will. Now, there might be different yields or different amounts of harvest or different amounts of fruit for each disciple, but there must be some fruit. And what we will notice, just like an abundance of a harvest in this parable, we will be surprised that God can do more than we can ask or imagine. Now there's lots of application that we can make from these verses but there are just two vantage points I want us to look at this from this morning and they're very simple. Firstly as people who have been invited to receive the kingdom from the vantage point of the soil. Jesus speaks to this crowd and he invites them to receive a seed of the kingdom and we too are invited to receive the good news and to take our place in his kingdom. This parable would suggest that there are four ways that we can respond to that invitation. We can be hard to it, we can be shallow with it, we can starve it, or we can receive it and allow God to begin a deep work of transformation leading to a fruitful missional life. And the tough question I want to ask you this morning is, which image do you most resonate with today? And this is a judgment-free zone. But which image most resonates with you? Because if your heart is hard, then we would love to pray with you so that your heart would be soft, that your eyes and ears might be open. If you feel that your faith is a little shallow, that perhaps you're putting on a brave face, going through the motions, turning up at the right times and saying the right things. But actually, if it doesn't feel like it goes deep for you, then guess what? We'd want to pray with you, that you would work out what the gospel means for you in a deeper, more profound way. And if your heart feels like it's in conflict today, as you wrestle to prioritise your relationship with Christ, then we'd want to pray with you as well, that you would experience new freedom in your relationship with him, that the things that try to drown out and crowd out and starve the good seed of the gospel that he's put in you, that those things would be the things that would be uprooted so that your faith could flourish. And perhaps if you identify with the good soil with deep roots, guess what? We'd want to pray with you too that these roots would go even deeper and then you experience an even greater transformation and that your ministry, mission, calling would be even more fruitful for the kingdom's sake and that it wouldn't be a hundred times, sixty times, thirty times, but it would be a thirty times, sixty times, a hundred times, even more fruit. The thing is, we can look at a parable like this and think it doesn't relate to us, but we all need to pray for prayer. We all need to respond to the invitation that God is making. The thing about planting a seed is that if it is nurtured, it will flourish. And if you nurture what you have received from God, you will flourish. It will flourish in you. If you nurture what you've received from God, it will flourish in you. And then I want us to see this from a different vantage point for just a moment. And that's of those who work the ground. The the people in the crowd would have known what it was to work the ground. And we notice that the, the story is about the farmers who sowed the seed, but we don't hear much about the preparation of the field, of the ground. In Matthew 9, 37, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We are invited to take up a role and participate. And my challenge to you is, how are you participating in the preparation of the ground? And then after God has sowed a seed of the kingdom, how are you gathering in the harvest? Because when I look at this parable as a deep metaphor for spiritual retreat, it seems to me that there are rocks that need to be cleared, soil that needs to be worked through, weeds and thorns that need to be pulled up. Where are you going to start? Maybe you're already working on the ground but if you're not, the invitation is to grab a spade and to dig in because there's plenty to go around. The harvest is plentiful. Now, I told you about the lawns around my house. They don't look very fab anymore. I put in some work a few years ago, and it made all the difference. They looked incredible, but I haven't done it for a little while. And I've noticed it's not as fruitful. The lawn's looking a little bit more bare. But I know that if I put the work in now by summer... I will have an incredible lawn to enjoy and it's going to be hard work but it will be worth it and it can be like that when we're preparing the ground of someone's heart to receive the seed of the kingdom. It may be hard work but it will be worth it. It will be worth it. In a moment Chris is going to come up and he's going to lead us into a response to the invitation to the things that we've heard from the scriptures today. But I did promise you two additional parables, didn't I, in our three-for-one deal. In Luke 13, uh, verse 18, Jesus says this, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again I asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed through About 60 pounds of flour until it was worked through the whole dough. What do we see? We see that the kingdom of heaven is like a tiny seed from which incredible life can burst forth, will burst forth. Abundance, power, strength, incredible life. The kingdom of heaven is also like yeast that is worked through a ridiculously large amount of flour. I worked it out as 27 bags of flour. But yeast by its nature will work through the whole lot. So what's the deal with these two mini parables? When it comes to understanding the kingdom, it's understanding this. Jesus is advancing his kingdom. It cannot be stopped. Nothing can prevent it from coming into its fullness. Life will burst forth. And the invitation is simply to receive it. That's how you understand the kingdom. You receive it. Blessed are your eyes because you see and your ears because you hear. Amen.